0: Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.
1: There is a story for everyone here, because every story matters. Welcome everyone to the Storybox. This is the place to be if you are a lover of stories, learning new and interesting things, and if you want to grow abundantly. My name is Jay Phantom, and I believe it's my purpose to help you realize your worth and become the greatest and best version of you possible. I am grateful that you're here today. Now let's journey into the Storybox together and hear more about whose story will be unboxed today. My friends, this is a story of faith, family, and ultimately justice, but it's also a story of learning about forgiveness and ultimately the redemption of one man in particular, Bobby Love. And the story that you're about to listen to from Bobby and his wife, Cheryl Love, is honestly incredible. It's a remarkable, inspirational, dramatic, and true account of an escaped convict and his wife of 35-plus years who never knew his secret. It captured the imaginations of millions when it hit Humans of New York last year, and now with this book that is coming out called... The Redemption of Bobby Love, and as you as you were listening to this uh, conversation, his book is out right now. So go and make sure to get a copy. And if you uh, love listening to uh, Bobby and Cheryl Cheryl share their story uh, in this conversation, then you, you're going to love the book even more. It is a page turner. I struggled to put it down, and I can't say that about many books that I actually read. But I loved, loved this book, and I hope that you guys will go and help support Bobby and his wife and the story by getting a copy of their book, but also sharing this one around to your friends and your family. Let this one go uh, absolutely wild. It is an incredible and remarkable story how it all transpired, uh, but also how Bobby tells the story too, and, and from his wife's perspective, the whole bit. It's a, it's, this is a great conversation that I hope the hope that you guys will love and enjoy as well. All right my friends, uh please share it around and don't forget to leave a rating and review before you go and subscribe everything that you need is all in the show notes below too all right my friends you know what time it is it is time to learn more about the redemption of bobby love but as we journey into the story box today and listen learn and grow from the incredible story of none other than bobby and his wife cheryl love thank you thank you I am so grateful that you both have taken the time out of your no doubt, very busy schedule to be here. Bobby, you honestly look amazing. I feel like I am, <laughs> I feel like I'm underdressed and so do you, Cheryl, as well. Uh, you, you both showed up <laughs> and I'm here wearing my, my usual get up, but um, really do appreciate you both.
0: Yeah,
1: you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the very first question that I have for you two, this is uh, a question that I ask all my guests at the very, very start. And it is, what does success look like for you? Who wants to go first?
2: Well, success looks looks like um, uh, that we have turned the corner on our life, that we are happy with uh, how things have turned
0: out. And, um, we're just
1: moving
0: forward with what we're doing. Mm. And I was going to add on to that, that success is just telling our truth and being our authentic selves.
1: I absolutely love that. When was the moment for you two when you absolutely realized this was success for you? Has it been this gradual thing over time in your life, or was there more a catalyst moment somewhere?
2: When uh, we when we, when John brought us to Humans of New York, mm. and uh, when those stories came out on Humans of New York, and we started getting all these calls, and people was talking to me and talking to my wife, and
0: it was, it, it just snowballed from there. Mm. Thing is, I was trying; <laughs> I didn't want all the publicity because I was like almost ashamed or trying to hide or be isolated. But then, as Bobby said, when I would read all of the um, emails and things that were coming in and people were saying things like, oh, my goodness, Miss Cheryl, how did you do that? And "What?" and I'm like, what did I do? (laughs) But I really felt a a healing moment right there. You know, I felt like this story needs to be told. It needs to be told. Don't hide anything. You have to let it out. And I'm sure, you know, this is going to help somebody a long way.
1: Yeah, when I when I first heard about your story, I was honestly amazed. And I guess for me, learning about the idea of forgiveness and how faith is revolved around that. And you two, you seem like very, very humble people. And that's one of the things that I, I was interested in as well. Like, why did you want to share this story to begin with? Like, was it a, a difficult thing for you to be vulnerable with the whole world?
2: It was, um, it, 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 it came about by no, no fault of my own, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so uh, at a very time that I got, back in 1984, I guess, I had started to write And um, I felt that I had something to tell about myself as I have grown. And now I have children. I have my wife. And um, at that time, it was just my two daughters. Mm. And um, I would write some, and my wife would ask me about it, but I wouldn't really tell her anything about it, but she would sneak and read it anyway. (laughs) So (laughs) I would write just maybe a little bit today, and maybe two or three days, I wouldn't write anything.
0: So I just went on from there. So he was always writing a little bit of things, and I was like, what is this? And, you know, I just thought it was something that he was interested in doing, just writing, but he was actually writing that story, you know, about his life. But I didn't think that was a story about his life, because there were some things in there that was a little uh, wild, you know, but (laughs) I just said, oh, he likes to write. Mm
1: So yeah. you you had no idea, Cheryl, and this is one of the amazing things for literally over 30 years you had no idea. You were married to this man for a long time, you built a life together, and you had no idea about his his I guess you could say secret.
0: No. I I didn't have any idea. He he was being nice to me. He was taking care of me and the children. He was going out to work. There were some things that I noticed and I'm saying why does he like, he didn't like to take pictures a lot. And you know, I love to take pictures, but he didn't like taking pictures. And I thought that was a little weird. <laughs> and there was another time he had said to me, um before we had got married, he says, do you, he said, we can go and get married in Jamaica. And I said, I'm not getting married in no Jamaica for?
2: You know, and that
0: always was in the background. he oh, yes, asked me to get married in Jamaica, but I would never see any evidence of any other women or anything like that. So, and I wasn't looking for anything bad going on, him, you know, So I just said, that's his way.
1: Mm. So for you, Bobby, how did you keep this secret, an actual secret? And I want to get to the secret in just a moment, but I'm curious how you managed to keep it a secret. Was it like burning up inside you at all?
2: Um, not really. I uh, I felt that I was just living a, a normal life. Um I did make sure and I said to myself that uh, I was not gonna let myself or get in any type of trouble. Yeah. I stopped going out. I wasn't hanging around with anybody that, um, you know, that wasn't the kind of person that I could you know be around with and cause me to get in any trouble. So that's, that's mostly what I did. I worked, I worked two jobs. And uh, once the children started, my daughter, then my second daughter, I just concentrated
1: on my family. Mm. Yeah. So can you, I want to give my audience a little bit of context with what we're actually talking about. (laughs) Uh, Are you able to share uh, your story a little bit, Bobby, and even Cheryl, if you can bounce off Bobby as well, like what actually happened to you? Mm -hmm. When he got arrested, right? Or, yeah, yeah, the, the moment, le- or basically the, the leading up to you being arrested, like why did they arrest you to begin with?
2: Okay, um, I was um, home that day back in January of 2015, and I uh, knocking on, on the door, and I felt that um, it was looking for my neighbor, not me. And um, I said, this is 2A. I said, it's next door. And um, because of all the people that had come going in and out of the the ladies next door's house. So I would say, um, This is 2A. We're looking for 2A. I said, "Uh, Okay. So my wife walked from the kitchen and um, came and opened the door. And they just burst in FBI. They had on these windbreakers, FBI and uh, New York City police.
0: And you can imagine how surprised and shocked I was when I opened that door and those guys came in with guns drawn. And that said to me, ma'am, get back. You don't know who this is. Get back. And I'm like, I don't know who this is. Are you kidding me? And I'm like, Bobby? And I'm talking to him, but he's not even looking at me. He's not looking my way. And I'm like, what is going on? I was so scared and frightened. I didn't know what to think. And he still was not looking at me. He just had his head held down. And I'm like, oh, my, what is going on? But in my heart of hearts, I knew right here, this is it. This is what I've been thinking is that I need to know that he has not been telling me this is the secret. Whatever it was, this is it. And I'm about to find out. Mm.
1: And what was that secret that you were hiding for such a long time?
2: well the secret was uh my past my past of um being uh, arrested and going to jail and spending the time that i had spent in jail um from jail and making my way to new york
1: mm. what did you go to jail for exactly if you don't mind me asking
2: i was um it was robbery first degree um, armed uh, robbery. We, were, uh, I got in jail. Well, uh, <clears throat> sorry. Back in when I was fourteen, that was my first time of being arrested, and from there, kind of snowball. Mm-hmm. Um, I came to Washington D.C. and I got in trouble there. I lived with my brother, and um, I would commit more crimes. Uh, I went to jail in Washington D.C. Then I made my way down to North Carolina and I got busted there too. Uh, We robbed uh, credit unions, and uh, we were successful a couple of times. Yeah. And we got
1: busted. Mm. You mentioned, sorry, you mentioned in the book, actually, that I think it was a chapter, Trouble, that you got arrested when you went to a concert, and you yelled out a profane word, and then that sort of like it snowballed really from there. Uh, which was really unfair to you, honestly. And I was reading it, and I'm thinking, why? That is just so wrong. Like you're getting arrested for something that was so it wasn't. You weren't even doing a thing wrong. Uh, and then it's sort of like you were in school. You put on this probation. You had a probation officer, and you you're a young kid. So. What was like going? Can you share with with my audience what was going through your mind? I want to take you back a little bit. <laughs> what was going through your mind when all that was going on? Did you did you actually want to end up in in this kind of life, or did you want to, you know, be a stand up citizen like your mom was actually? Well, you know,
2: I'm I'm trying to maneuver through life. Um, I, I I get the feeling that I, back then, when I think about it. I didn't have that much direction, not that much, many opportunities. I used to go to the community center. That that was my, uh, my more or less my babysitter for me and my brother. And so um, my mother would come and kick us up from there. In the interim, you know, I played sports. I did things like that, you know, uh, basketball, uh, little league baseball, uh, intermural football. We, we did all those things, you know, but. On the other hand, I, like, I used to like to go out. I used to like to go to concerts, you know. And actually, this was my very first concert that I went to see Sam Cooke. Mm-hmm. And, of course, he had some top ten records playing, you know, and I liked that, you know. And so um, I would go and um, he sung uh, one song and then he told the people to sit down. But I'm going to tell you, man, when music's playing, you know, as a black person, you know, we like to dance. You know, music makes us move and dance.
0: So move.
2: <laughs> so I would, um, we would all get up and we would start to dance again. And he told us to sit down and he was going to leave. And he actually did that. And I was very upset that I did that. And I said something that I shouldn't have said. I never heard of, you know, saying that, you know, you arrested for disorderly conduct and
1: I never knew nothing about that type of charge. It's a, it's a wild, wild story because right after that, you were obviously put on probation and which is totally unfair. Like I was saying before, and you were trying to be a, I guess you could say stay out of trouble. And then you actually got into robbery because you wanted to have the, the nice clothes, the, you know, you wanted you had a girlfriend at the time as well. You were trying to, I guess, provide in a in a sense. Like you had these other jobs, but they weren't really giving you enough to pay for the things that you wanted. So, yeah. you know, can you can you share with me what was going through your mind when you were actually committing those robberies? Did you ever think that you were going to get caught?
2: Um,
1: it came easy to commit them.
2: And in time, I would um I guess I got let myself get set up because the one that was the big one was when I went into school and I went in a room and I knew guys had left their monies in their pockets. And so uh, I started going through them. I did it one day. And when I came back the next day, uh, a policeman was there and arrested me. Mm
1: Absolutely crazy. Now, I want to shift it to you, Cheryl. What were, when, when you were like the age of 14, uh, what were you doing? How was your upbringing like?
0: Oh, my. I was in high school looking for boyfriends. Me and my friends, we would have listened to music, making up dance steps, that kind of thing, playing double dutch, all of that, jazz,
1: Yeah. And you had a pretty... I guess you could say traumatic moment when you were a young kid with the loss of your mother, are you able to share how that impacted you? Oh, yes. Yes.
0: I lost my mom when I was nine years old. And, um, you you never get another mother. I tell you, but, um, I had a great dad. I still have a great dad and he kept us together. That was one of my mother's promise, you know, To my father, she said, Lord, she promised, I'm sorry, she wanted my father to keep us children together Mm -hmm. because I had aunts who said, George, we'll take her, we'll take, I'll take Cheryl and the other aunts will take my other brothers. But she wanted my father to promise her that that not to separate us. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm trying to say. Don't separate the children, keep them together. Mm -hmm. And so that's what he did.
1: So moving along for a moment and getting to the point where, okay, Bobby, you get arrested, you get sent to prison. I believe you went to juvenile uh, prison, if they want to call it that. It was more like detention. Uh, And then you, I believe, left from there. And then you ended up in actual prison. Um, How did you escape? Okay.
2: This was um, something that I didn't exactly plan to do this. I was doing good. I was moving up. I had worked in the hospital. I moved from the hospital and I, you know, I gained um, honor grade. That gave me a a minimum security place. Uh, I was even playing music on the radio that they would play at Shaw University on uh, some night, on a Wednesday night from Mm -hmm. uh, 9 to 10. But in time, uh, things would kind of break down with, you know, they had, you know, certain rules and regulations concerning things. And uh, one of them that I got into was I was told by the man that I worked for at the time not to move these newspapers. But when I came to work that day and the guard told me to take the newspapers, I told him what my boss said. But they put me under, uh, uh, they wrote me up for disobeying the guard's order. And I felt that that was wrong, that, you know, and I told my boss about it. And he said, no, you have to listen to what he said. And so that made me move from that job to another job. And eventually they would put me out on the street and I was working on the road. And uh, as time would go, it was cold out there. And, you know, I said to myself, I'm going to leave here before they send me back to maximum security. So I... um, I I did a test run one day because they gave me a coat. They gave me a big coat to, you know, put over the clothes that I wore every day. So I put it in a big shopping bag, you know, and I put it under my arm and I walked out of the the gate and they didn't say anything or stop me with that. So that gave me the feeling that now I can take my leather coat that I had because I had some clothes because I went out on passes from time to time. And uh, I said, "I'm gonna see if I can go out of here with my regular clothes, as I would, you know, look around and saying to myself how I was going to make this work and how I was going to escape."
1: And no one over the course of you actually escaping, no one tried to find you at all, to your knowledge. To
2: my knowledge, okay. By working at the job that I was just explaining, other guys said you know, took the liberty to, to, to run away. I used to go to one of the offices, and I knew it for a fact, and I left nothing in my locker.
0: Mm-hmm. So
2: by not leaving anything in my lockers, they were going to have to go over there, and they were going to have to find my, my information, the things uh, concerning me, you know, my address, uh, where I was from, the city, and all those things like that. And so I, I knew that would probably take a day, but also I didn't go into, you know, the bus station or, I, I kind of hid myself as I was, after I jumped off the bus and ran and trying to get to downtown Raleigh, where the bus station was. Mm. So doing all that, you know, I knew it was going to take some time. Mm.
1: How old were you when all this was happening? How old, were you? How, how old were you? I was twenty-seven. Twenty-seven. Wow. I'm twenty-five at the moment. So you're two years older than me. This is <laughs> this is crazy. Um, I don't. I don't. <laughs> uh, so you ended up in New York, and how long did it take before you met Cheryl? Uh, I met Cheryl in
2: 1984. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, we met at our jobs. So from 1977. So 1984, I was just I don't know walking up and down the streets in, in in New York. Most of the time, I would come back to 42nd Street. 42nd Street is not like it is now, but like it was back in 1977. Mm-hmm. Uh, I described it back then as the sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Yeah, and that's all I um, did was go there and have the fun that I had, and you know I would. Um, open down the blocks, try to find their a job or
1: stuff like that. So Cheryl, what attracted you to Bobby in the first place? What was it about Bobby?
0: Okay. So um, I had came back to uh, my job at Baptist Medical Center. That's where we had met. And I saw this guy and I'm like, who is that? Who is that? He's so loud. So he would be singing and he would what I like, He used to wear his hat and the hat would be turned the other way. He wouldn't wear it like the regular guys and uh, like the other guys. And I'm like, what does he wear his hat like that, but all the time watching and looking, you know, <laughs> but acting like I'm not interested. But anyways, he asked me on a date. He asked me to go to see Gladys Knight in the Pips Pips. Would I like to go and see Gladys Knight? And I was like, um, sure. But he said <laughs> he said, no, I didn't say sure. He says, I said, no, but the way I remember, I think I, I said yes. So
1: that's how we started out. Wow. Okay. So yeah. can you share, I, I want to ask both of you, what you, over the course of your marriage and, and life together, what do you love the most about each other? I love that, Bobby.
0: Bobby makes me laugh. He um he will come out with singing, this verse out singing with a song from time to time. And I'm like, oh my goodness, what are you singing? And it doesn't go like that. That's not the tune, but he makes me laugh. And Bobby's also taught me to you can say no to things. He always said that. You know, like, you don't have to say yes, you can tell somebody I'm, I'm gonna think about it. You don't have to say yes right away. You don't have to say no. You don't
1: have to answer right away. He says, think about it. And then, you can, then he also tells me, I,
2: you can blame things on me. Just tell them you. So that's one thing that I love about it. How about for you, Bobby, with Cheryl? When I met Cheryl, I, I, I met a, a young and uh, very uh, interesting and uh, happy go lucky kind of lady as I was uh, working there. And at that time, I was, uh, I think I was still washing pots and glasses and stuff like that. I mean, dishes and stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, I took a test to become a cook. So as I became the cook, you know, I would see more of her and we would talk and stuff like that. But in the beginning, you know, um, I guess my interest was in her, yes. But um, I didn't know it was going to lead to what it led to. But, you know, I, I found her to be honest. I found her to be uh, very tight and close to her family. I like that, especially her father. Uh, somebody had told me the guys that uh, meet girls and they're tight with their fathers, make the best wives. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. And uh, I had already said to myself, I knew I was late what in what I wanted to do. I wanted to get married by 30. and So um, I was all, at that time, I think I was 32. So uh, meeting Cheryl and um, she go to church. She has you know God in her, those kind of things, and uh, those are things that were very uh, instrumental and interesting to me about her and uh, got to know her.
1: You brought up a a a part that of the conversation that I wanted to actually go down, which is the area of faith in God and and having Him as part of your life. How has this whole situation built your faith in God?
2: Okay, um, Cheryl is more—I would say—more um, religious than I am. I've—I've I've been working on this for forever now. Yeah. But in the beginning, um, I started going to church with Cheryl. I kind of stopped, and then uh, I came back to going to church with her. And um, Cheryl went to church, they, they didn't take a break. They went forever, every day, I mean, every Sunday. And they went on at night, you know? Which um, at that time, after that, I started working two jobs after we got married and stuff like that. So um, we, we wanted to get an apartment, we wanted to move from her father's house and things like that. So I started working two jobs to make all that happen.
0: Mm -hmm. faith has meant everything to me on faith in God Um, you know marriage it it hasn't been easy and there were times that I thought you know because there was times when you know Bobby would break down when when I say break down shut down that's what I mean to say he wouldn't talk much you know so I felt like I was pulling things out of him and there was a time I felt well is it me does he not want to be bothered with me you can We can get a divorce, you can go, it'll be okay. You know, I'm all right with that. But my faith in God and praying, I really love my husband and I know he loved me. And he didn't have a desire to leave because he wouldn't go. And I even told him he can go, but he would not go. You know, so we just stuck it out. We used to just make it work. We just made it work. We made it work.
1: So how... Mm-hmm. Sorry, how have you been able to, I guess, build that trust with one another once again after it's been broken?
2: Mm-hmm. Um, well, one of the first things I said to Cheryl after being arrested and she came to visit me, I said I wouldn't be surprised or I wouldn't be upset if you uh, filed for divorce. Mm-hmm. She said to me that she wasn't going anywhere. and you know, that kind of... Uh, Took a, a lot off of my back from that time and made me relax and calm down. And uh, I knew that she had, I had her, you know, her back and everything like that. And she was going to work to try to help me to through mm-hmm. mm-hmm. this. Okay. And uh, that helped tremendously. Yeah.
0: Um, I,
2: <clears throat> what helped me, I, um, when he had got arrested, when the
0: whole thing came out, I was not thinking about myself at all. I I was only thinking about Bobby. I was hoping, I didn't know how he was feeling. I was thinking, I hope he doesn't do anything like commit suicide. I, I was thinking all kinds of thoughts like that because this was something, you know? And I was thinking about the kids, but the kids had told me, they said, Mommy, we love daddy, we with him. I said, that's right. I said, that's how I feel too. I said, you know. We're gonna support him, we're with him, and from that moment on, we were just supporting Bobby and we're gonna be with him and I let him know I'm not leaving you. Um, we're gonna stick this thing out and we're gonna be be there for we're gonna honor our vows and we're gonna be with him. And I used to say, for better or for worse, and I guess that's the worst of it, this is the worst of it, but we're right here. We're yeah. gonna do, it. we're gonna do it. <laughs>
2: yeah. In 2015, when I was arrested, I had become a walking deacon at that time. So I was building my uh, religious uh, worshiping and my journey with God and everything like that at that time also. So it it also was a um, when Cheryl and all the people, you know, her job and at church and people like that, they hung in there with her and prayed with her and stuff like that and she would tell me about these things like that you know so it became um it just it just became so surreal that you know this was happening this way and um you know when i first was sent to the place where i ended up in north carolina after going down there i would say from jump street i would tell the guys that you know, I was meeting. and I'm going home. I'm going home. So they would ask me, "Man, well, how long you got to stay?" I said, "I'm going home as soon as I go up to the road, I'm going home." That's just how much confidence I had in God making this work for us, making this work for me. Mm-hmm.
1: I love all that. Uh, And before I ask you both the final two questions, I've really, really enjoyed this conversation, but I do want to be respectful of your time. Uh, Where can people get a copy of this new book? It's called The Redemption of Bobby Love, A Story of Faith, Family and Justice. It goes on sale October 5th, but you can go and pre-order a copy now. Highly encourage you to do so. Like I said in the beginning, I'm halfway through the book and absolutely loving it. (laughs) So where can people go and get a copy of this book?
2: Well, just like you said, I think it's Walmart, um, Target, Amazon,
1: uh, maybe Barnes & Noble, Mm -hmm. books worth. Anywhere books are sold. So I'll make sure that... Everyone knows where to get a copy of his book <laughs> because I really believe that it's going to go crazy. It's going to help so many people. It's already helped me. So, thank you so much to you both for writing it. I'm a huge book lover, I'm a huge nerd. Uh, and it's really, really difficult for me, I'll just be honest with you both, to actually uh, continue reading a book like nonstop. Uh, but this one, I like I've said, has been really, really difficult for me to put down. Like I get, I get engrossed and I kind of lose time, <laughs> and that's how you know you're reading a damn good book. So, <laughs> thank you both for for doing that. I uh, this is uh, a question that I've wanted to ask you both ever since I started reading the book and found out about your story, and is revolving around the area of forgiveness. What what does forgiveness really mean?
2: In my wife's, well, it's it's
0: it's it's it's, uh the forgiveness is everything. I believe that if you don't forgive, you become bitter, and that's definitely what I did not want in this marriage, in our relationship, in our family. I didn't want to become bitter. I wanted us to, like I said be our beautiful and authentic self, not to hide anything, you know, I knew Bobby was a good man and everybody, everybody deserves a second chance, everybody deserves a chance, and so I felt like he would do the same for me if if that was, you know, if if I was in a situation like that, so that's how I feel I just feel like forgiveness if you don't forgive you have to you're bitter you're bitter so you have to
2: forgive yeah I was sure that she would forgive me and uh, the day that she came to Rackers Island as we talked about um you
1: know getting get
2: and going forward and things like that and um it it I'm gonna tell you, that that day was something I'll always remember. Then when I saw my boys, oh boy, I couldn't uh, I couldn't hold back the tears. And they said, Dad, hey, we're not going nowhere, Dad. Yeah.
1: That's powerful. So yeah. you you actually so, mm-hmm. My, my final question for you both. This is my all-time favorite question I ask everyone at the end. It's a hypothetical one, but I want you both to imagine with me that you've been able to reach the age of 100. All your friends and your family have decided to put together a film for you of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done. Don't ask me how in the world they got it all. We'll just call it magic for sake of argument. They've been able to get it and show it to you both on your 100th birthday. What do you want that film to say and to show about your life?
2: I wanted to say how much we're still in love. <laughs> how much we have uh, persevered through our lives. And um, just the happiness and the joy of making it this far in our life.
0: I think that I wanted to say that there were two ordinary people with an extraordinary life, an extraordinary story, and to catch it, catch on. If you have something to say, don't hold it back, let it out because it can help someone. You don't know who you're helping, you know? And so you gotta let it out.
1: Two perfect send off messages. Thank you both so much for your time today, your story once again. Really do appreciate it and for coming on the StoryBox podcast. Thank, you. Thank you, very thank much. you. thank you very much. I really don't like this part because it means that sadly we have come to an end of yet another story. I just want to say thank you to all of you for tuning in and listening to our guests today. is worth more than you know. I'll catch you then.